presented by The Hockey Shop, source for sports, Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Christmas is around the corner. Keep that in mind. They are our supporter, they are our sponsor, and they are our friends at The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard. Today, we have a fantastic feature interview all the way from Finland, although it sounds like Michael Gartiga is right next door. We'll also head out to Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, and check in with Cam and get an idea of what should be on your shopping list, what you can turn around in the couple of weeks left before Christmas. Oh, and there's something else that you can gift wrap for your favorite goaltender. And it comes courtesy of In Goal Magazine as we bring in the co-founders of In Goal David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Congratulations, gentlemen. Let me be the one to roll out the red carpet and say this soft launch that you guys uh, unveiled of Ingol Premium has been very warmly received. And I must uh, really acknowledge that it's it's some really cool content, Hutch. Thank you. It's uh, It's been quite a journey. It's I think we're seeing triple from the late nights and early mornings, and uh, but we did manage to get it out um, roughly when we said we would. If you are in the Hawaiian time zone, I think we made it on December second, uh, and it's been it's been well received from the the folks who've come on. We we said soft launch to use your term there, Darren. Uh, we sort of open the gates so people can come and join us, uh, but we haven't really been actively promoting it or just in sort of a subtle way. Uh, what we're talking about is the In Goal Premium Edition. It's uh, sort of a hybrid between magazine and website. It's got the higher end design of a magazine. It's got the uh, release dates like a magazine. So we'll have some sort of feature content monthly, um, but it will be more like a website in that there'll be content dribbled out throughout the week. Uh, there'll be some things like, uh, well, a lot of video on there, the sort of things you can't see in a regular magazine, but it's all premium, all sort of behind the scenes pro content where uh, Kevin sits down with NHL goaltenders and uh, does his now soon to be famous pro read segment where the the pros sit down with him and talk about saves they've made and what they saw and how they handled the situation to uh, looking at gear setups in the room with guys, feature interviews, just a, a whole whack of stuff that we've uh, as as we've said before, I've sort of been sitting on here for years because we haven't had the time and resources to put it together. And now we finally have. So it's the In Goal Premium Edition. It's a membership site. Come and join us. Uh, all you have to do is go to ingoalmag.com and you'll find a link on there or you can go direct to ingoalmag.com slash magazine and, uh, and find out what it's all about. Kev, what have I uh, missed out there? Nothing much. Um, I, I think, you know, just to give people an idea of what's going to be consistent, um, you're going to have monthly features. You're going to have monthly um, off-ice training tips, uh, one of which was supposed to be uh, rolled out in that original one this week. Uh, Adam Francilia, who's been a guest on the podcast and works with you know a ton of NHL goaltenders as well as the San Jose Sharks, uh, we actually had to pull that last second. We had a little, just the video quality wasn't quite up to snuff. It wasn't kind of, frankly, to the level that A-Fran deserves. And so he's rolling through or, town or next. that a subscription based uh, model deserves. So right. you guys quality control for you for this uh, this part of the business. Yeah, exactly. And we have the content. We've got the video of him working with the NHL goaltenders. It's just the intro video wasn't as tight as we liked. Um, we tried to reshoot it remotely. Sound was a little tinny. So we said to heck with it. A friends rolling through town here in Vancouver next week. Um, Spend a little time with Tyler Myers as well as James Reimer. So let's reshoot it in person and let's reshoot a bunch of content in person because he's going to be one of our regular guests with some off-ice training. 
Um, it, the weekly stuff will be the gear segments. First one was Craig Anderson talking about the adjustment to Bauer pads, why he switched from Brian's. You know, uh, transparency, open and honest. Contract ran out, allowed him a chance to try something different. And he walked us through the nuances. I thought that was really interesting because obviously... Hey, hey, before you go any further. Right at a time when I, Corey Crawford pulled the switcheroo this week. Right. And what I liked about it was he didn't just say, ah, it's no big deal. Like he, he walked through the challenges of switching pads, which uh, the people that say it's, it's so easy, I mean, are, are you crazy? You're still switching these, these pads. And I thought the timing was perfect. You know, obviously, Corey yeah. Crawford made headlines because he's been transitioning. Another guy that, you know, we got a quote from, he's, you know, n- no contract from CCM. So we had a chance to look around and try some things. And, you know, he's switching over to Bauer. He started with the helmet. He went to the gloves. And then he tried the pads and warm for a game. Didn't have a good game. I don't think it was because of the pads. And he comes out the next game, gives up two and switches mid, like between periods from Bauer to CCM. And everyone's like, oh my, like, I've never seen it, to be honest with you. I've seen I've seen Corey Schneider start in cowlingless skates here in Vancouver while he's with the Devils and switch mid period and go back to the cowling models. Seen guys tinker with gloves. I've never seen pads. So I thought it was just perfect timing that we had this thing where Craig Anderson talks about doesn't mean like it's nothing wrong with the pads. It's just an adjustment process. Corey Crawford is CCM still had leather buckles or sort yeah leather 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 straps and metal buckles. And the Bauer pad he's in is completely Velcro. And so there are elements for Craig Anderson that he had to adjust to. And there's probably elements that, that Corey Crawford had to adjust to. Not the end of the world, but sometimes it takes time. So we're going to have that kind of content. And I got to be honest with you guys, a favorite thing. And uh, like, I'm actually going to have to turn down my mic levels here because I know I'm going to get all excited, Hutch, and you're going to have to adjust this. But I'm, I'm geeked for pro reads. Um, we just did one yesterday. So Ottawa Senators were in town. Craig Anderson wasn't playing yesterday against the Vancouver Canucks. So he was doing drills on the ice with Pierre Gru, uh, their goalie coach. I recorded those drills in 4K video. And then Pierre walked me through them afterwards, what they're looking for, uh, some of the tips can, that can apply to kids. We'll roll that out. Love that, it. That's an example of in-goal premium content. But then in the second intermission, I'm, I met Craig Anderson. He did a workout and got some therapy while the game was going on. Came down outside of the Senators rock locker room in the second intermission. We went into a little private room there and we reviewed videos for 12 minutes. He walked me through his reads on rushes, on end zone play, reverse VH, when he's using it, what he's looking for. It's probably four or five different clips and plays that we will now turn into pro read segments. There's some pros production involved. And Bruce Garriock, longtime writer for the Ottawa Sun, was in the room. It was a media workroom, and he comes down to work in the intermission for the third period out of there. And uh, his name's Boo Boo. And and so he was <laughs> he, he was listening in on this, and it was a I mean, guy's been around forever, and a guy I have a ton of respect for as a reporter. Uh, Hold on, on you just call Boo Boo old? I did not. I did not. Don't go. Don't put words in my mouth there. But um, and when we were done, like he he was just like like kind of like, hey, like, what was that? Like the stuff he was sharing with you, the insights were fantastic. And I explained what ProReads is. And, you know, nobody's doing this. Uh, this is going to be exclusive to Ingle Premium. And listen, I, I understand too, There, are, we've always done things. Ingle's always been a free website. And there are some people that are going to say, oh, hold on, I got to pay for this. Yeah. I mean, the reality is it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of expertise to produce the video. Um, it takes time. There are costs associated with this. And we just believe that 
if more people get on board, we will sink that money right back into hiring right. more writers to help us and 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 maybe buying better equipment so the video will be even better. Maybe taking more trips because it is tough. We don't get a lot of practice days here from other visiting teams, so we can go places and you know know that we're going to have access to a team and their goalies for four or five days because they've got you know one game and three practices. Um, these are the kind of things we'll sink it back into it. But the reality, folks, is we used to produce that magazine style, PDF style magazine, and people loved it. It was cost and time prohibitive because there was no, it was free. And that's why we hadn't, we couldn't keep producing it because it cost us money to do it and you couldn't keep up with it. So we want to get back to producing that type of content on the regular. Pro reads will be weekly at a minimum. The gear segments will be weekly. We will add new content every week. And the only way to do that is to commit resources to it on our end. And so, yeah, we're asking you to chip in and and pay for the content. If you don't want to, totally understandable. Well, um, and we still get the podcast uh, for free. Yeah, and we're going to do bonus stuff on that, though. Yeah. We're going to have some bonus podcasts. And if you want to listen to this and know exactly when the feature interview starts, we'll start sending out podcast notes to our subscribers as well. That lets you just say, hey, the feature interview starts at 22 minutes. I don't want to listen to that idiot Woodley babble for five. So I'm going to skip ahead. Five? <laughs> okay. <laughs> 15 or 20. I liked it when you mentioned there's some post-production involved and Hutch, his head turned into a bobblehead. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. A little bit Dad. of work. A little Hutch bit of work. Is our, he's our uh, IT guy. Dad, uh, Dad so- has been, let me say this, Dad has been grinding. I don't think Dad has had much sleep. If I was his Dad's age awesome. and slept that little, I'd be really cranky. But look at look at the, look at, like, he's, like, he's so cheery. I mean, he's probably, oh. what, like two or three hours a night to get this out. There is a crap ton of work involved in this, folks. And, and that's why we've gone with this model. Makes well, me want to give you a big thank you hug there, Kevy. It's better than when you give me years? the finger. Ten years <laughs> in the in the making? More, yeah, more, more or less. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Yeah, it was about like the, started in 2009 and it's all been evolving. We've had in gold premium in the back of our minds for at least four years, I think. And it's just been hard to to find the time and resources to pull the trigger, but we we finally did. I think the uh the catalyst for the whole thing was announcing on the podcast that we had a deadline. Yeah, actually, yeah, well, yeah, you have something had, to strive against. If we hadn't put a deadline on it, for sure, I would have pushed it back to January first. <laughs> and you know what the uh, the whole thing comes together, and you find out that uh, that this podcast, Ingolmag.com, uh, dot uh, the the reach that it has, the people that that you connect with, uh, that you don't even realize that you're touching, like uh, Aki uh, Neki uh, from Finland, he has it bookmarked on his computer. Who is Aki Neki? Here's Michael Gartig. I mean, I thought it was pretty funny. My goalie coach, we were doing video and like one of his like favorites was Ingle Magazine. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk to them in a couple of days. Michael Gartig is our feature interview today and he is playing in Tampere, Finland. And uh, that is his goalie coach. And that is just uh, cool. You, you don't even realize that people uh, who don't speak uh, your language necessarily, it's not their first language, are still they're connected to you guys. You guys are world leaders. Well, you know, and it's funny because uh, as you go through the grind and, and it wasn't easy to, to make this step, make this leap. And like I said, the amount of work that Hutch put into behind the scenes to making this happen. We do have a crap ton of content that we've been sitting on for over four years and we'll start to roll it out. One of the moments for me where I knew it was all going to be worth it was was the one I shared with you guys of uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, of him in the locker room after a Devils game saying that old PDF that we talked about, the one that everybody loved, right. but we just couldn't keep up with because there was no 
you know, there just wasn't enough financial incentive and, and it's hard to work that hard for nothing or for to lose money. Um, he used to read that all the time. And that was one of the ways, you know, he learned as a young goaltender. So we're going to be able to produce that style content on a regular basis and hopefully continue to build those. You know, who's going to be the next goalie five years from now? It comes up into the NHL and says, I used to read in goal premium and it, and it helped me get here. So it's kind of exciting times. And, and, and uh, you know, we talked about the goalie coach, um, Aki. I actually met him in, you know, again, talk about the resources. We spent the money to go to the Network Goaltending Symposium in Nashville a couple, a couple summers ago. And that's where we got the content. One of the feature articles this week at the In Goal Premium site uh, is with Linda Blomquist, who was one of the goaltending coaches in, in Sweden, who mm. invented the RVH. We've got a so cool. full story on her and that process and what they went through, as well as two videos on the ice of her talking about it and then her demonstrating how they teach it over there. So goalies can learn about how it came to be but also how to execute it. There's an example of needing the resources to go there. One of the other coaches that I met there was Michael Gartig's coach now with Taper, and that's Aki Nike, who also works with Finland's under-20 team and is good buddies with Pekka Rinne. Pekka Rinne, uh, I think they've, they've worked together like since Pekka was a kid. They've known each other since he was a kid. I think he actually stayed at his place when he was in Nashville for the symposium. Great guy, heavily involved in Finnish goaltending. And since all this conversation and us launching and everything, I got a note from Gart saying that uh, that Aki would like to send us some stuff to publish. So um, oh, cool. this is the goalie world growing closer together through In Goal Premium. I will stop talking now because you guys are nodding and laughing at yes. me well, so much we're, we're for my five minutes. You said uh, Aki's last name three different ways. So yeah. uh, Aki, Nike, I wanted uh, I wanted to cover my basis. I just well, the <laughs> most the most recent one had me thinking that if a goalie ever questions uh, what he should be doing on the ice, Aki just looks at him and says, "Just do it. Just do it." Yeah, exactly. Did I actually you, say Nike? That is, yeah, you did. Yeah, it was pretty close. <laughs> I, I, it was pretty I'm close. Just, at least Nike. you picked up the illusion to something for the first time. Kevin. Well, Usually I, we're hey, over congratulations. Your head I'm just looking uh, to get some uh, money out of Nike. Hey, if you want to come on uh, podcast co sponsor, you're you're on. We got we look, named a coach in your honor. I look at it this way: the past uh, meets the future, and it all comes together right here in the present with Ingle Magazine, IngleMag.com, and the Ingle Premium Edition. So, looking forward to uh, that. I've seen uh, some of the uh, content that is up, and it is fantastic. And you can you can go down a rabbit hole pretty quickly. And it also is great for coaches and and goaltenders and parents alike for for education. Uh, that uh, that your young goaltender needs, or or adult goaltenders, I'm 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 really excited about this, and uh, and and proud of what you guys have been able to do. Uh, the uh, Michael Gartig uh, playing in Finland right now. Uh, his journey is our feature interview uh, that's coming up. But uh, why don't we uh, chat a little bit about what's going on at uh, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Well, the hockey shop, they just wrapped up their big Black Friday through Cyber Monday sale. So if you were smart enough to listen to last week's podcast and check them out, you would have saved. You had an opportunity to save up to 50%, although some of those like half off pro level pads from a year or two ago, um, those all sold. The two for one foam core stick deal is no longer there, but there are still some really good prices on foam core sticks. Um, they're kind of clearing out some of the old stuff to make room for the new because you know, as we hit, get into the new year and into April, it's going to be the new brands of everything. Hockey Shop is the place to go to find the new brands, find deals on the old. Uh, already talking to Cam about some of the custom specs that they've ordered. Uh, the source for, source, source for Sports spec 
um, exclusives that they will have on some of the different brands, CCM, Bauer. We've been walking through the new product for 2020 already. In the meantime, make sure you go check them out because that means there's going to be opportunity uh, through December and early in the new year to save on some of the old product. Top brands, Brian's, Vaughn, CCM, Bauer, Warrior. They've got it all. And they've also got a lot of interesting little you know, gadgets is the wrong word, but cool accessories. little thing. Accessories is the best word. Thank you, Darren. Bookmark that at thehockeyshop.com because now is the time of the year where you need, whether it's a stocking stuffer or an extra present under the tree for the goalie in your life, first thing I'd do is probably get them a subscription to InGoal Premium for the year. Mm-hmm. That would be the smart play. Free second, shipping in that too. Yeah, and second thing I would do is probably check out thehockeyshop.com and that's what we talk about this week with Cam. What are some of the popular items that people like to buy over the years to give to their goaltender. Things that are really easy to buy and what are the shipping deadlines in terms of how much more time do you have left to get it and make sure it can be under the tree. Cam filled us in this week in the gear segment brought to you by thehockeyshop.com. Let's jump into the In Goal magazine, In Goal Radio, the podcast Time Machine and join Woody and Cam. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports out in beautiful Surrey, British Columbia, suburbs of Vancouver. And of course, you can find them at thehockeyshop.com. We're down in the, the basement, goalie heaven, as I like to call it. Um, and we're going to talk Christmas. Is it? We're in December now, so it's okay to talk Christmas. Because if you're a parent and have a young goaltender, you need to now be thinking, what can I, whether it's Probably too late, eh, Cam, for big ticket items. You're not ordering a custom set of gear on December 4th and expecting it under the tree by December 25th. But there are some items that you've seen as sort of popular, whether it's little gifts, extras under the trees, or even some big ticket items that you can still get if you're a parent and still have it ready and delivered by December 25th. So let's just go over it. You've been doing this for years. What are some of the most popular Christmas items here at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports for your little goaltender? For sure. A lot of the, the quick ones that we see come up are, are anything that can stocking stuff for ideas. So buttons like and grips for your stick, um, quick things like that. Um, goalie block would be another great suggestion. I know we're currently sold out, but we're getting stocked oh, up. So goalie block is that little rubber thing that goes on your stick that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. What was that? Sold out? We, yeah, we, we cleaned out through them uh, completely and we have, a, we have another shipment uh, on its way. Should be here by the end of this week. Not to steal from another far more popular hockey podcast, but I believe we can call that an in-goal bump. And we'll, we'll call it an in-goal bump. Nice. All right. Okay. So goalie block is coming back. That's actually a really good item because, again, we've talked about it. It's on the website. You can check it out on our social media. And it's, 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 a, it's a cheap price item. You can have it quickly. It's probably something that a lot of goalies would like to try. So that's a good stocking stuffer, maybe, yep. depending on the budget. What are some of you, you mentioned butt ends. Mm-hmm. There's a product we haven't even talked about. Walk me through butt ends and how that uh, how that might help a help a goaltender. What what makes it work and why? Again, maybe an opportunity at Christmas to put something under the tree that they haven't tried before instead of a roll of tape because a roll of tape kind of sucks as a Christmas gift. Like I think that might be the goalie equivalent of a bag of like coal in the stocking to just like throw a <laughs> roll of white tape like your summer stocking or something. Like hey, I got a bunch of summer stock from last summer. Here's here, kid. Have a roll of tape. What's butt ends all about? So butt ends is now a product that basically is a replacement grip for the top end of your stick. So rather than having to tape, you know, a large knob onto your stick, this is something that's already coming pre-done and it's a, a grip that actually slides on to the end of your stick. So um, it, 
basically in the package, it gives you this adhesive spray that's also acts as the lubricant. So you're able to slide it on. And then once it's on, it's, it's on there. It gives you supreme grip for playing the puck as well as like your knob at the end of the stick. Different size knobs available, different. No, it's a one size kind of fits all kind of idea. And it comes in a few slightly different colors. It's just the accent colors that change in particular. But uh, yeah, another great option instead of having to, you know, waste a whole roll of tape on the, and then do your stick. And that is uh, available, of course, at thehockeyshop.com. Price is... Ooh, you got me off the top of my head. I put them on the spot. You'll have to check it out at thehockeyshop.com and on our social media. Um, check out both our pages and we'll put it up there. That is a good gift item. Unless, of course, you're Miko Koskinen. Found out this week, Miko Koskinen basically has almost no tape on the end of his stick. Says it's because he's, it's, it's he's lazy. There's got to be a story there, and we will get to the bottom of it. Basically, like, like three wraps around the top of the stick, and that's it. So no butt ends for Miko. But for the rest of you, it's a good item. Walk me through some other popular ones for Christmas. Um, is masks an item that you see move off the shelf as a Christmas item? Skates. What are some of the things? Sticks. I've had a lot of goalies tell me over the years that Pecorine, one of his favorite gifts when he was a kid, was a, was a pro model goalie stick. He said the only downside was they couldn't hide it under the tree. As soon as he came down, it was pretty obvious what he was getting. Yeah, it's a little bit hard to to wrap that one and hide it, but that said, that's a great Christmas item that we actually do quite a lot of is sticks. Um, usually because you're young goalie or if you're buying it for someone, they already know what their size is and it's just a matter of lining up their size and curve for something they already have. So great option. We've got tons of sticks in stock, all that you can find on thehockeyshop.com. Great idea. The masks and skates are a little bit tougher because those are very personal fit items. The same ideas like leg pads, for example because it does require a fitting process aside. If you happen to know exactly what you're after, you know, it is a great option. For skates in particular, we do have quite a few customers pick something up to have something under the tree and then come back and get it fitted after Christmas, which is a perfectly fine option. If it's shipping across the country, a little bit more of a challenge. But uh, that said, I master, yeah, a little bit of a tough one because it is, a once again, a personal fit item. Well, that's a personal fit item for kids, and they're always changing the personal fit. But if you've got a beer leaguer in your life and you want to make his or her Christmas, you just got to slip into the garage and see what they're wearing right now and get a fresh one. Which for some guys could be not a good thing to base it off of, depending on the condition of their mask and what it was. <laughs> that's another story. That's another, you know, yes. And yes, Darren and Hutch, I, I will eventually get a new cage on my mask. What are some of the other popular ones? Everything from sweatbands, just little accessories, things you can stuff in a stocking or quickly wrap and throw under the tree? Yeah, you know what? You, you say uh, you say getting tape, but uh, that was used to be the go-to for my parents, is putting tape under there. I totally dissed your parents. Yeah, slightly, but they don't listen to the podcast, so you're okay. <laughs> that said, I, I mean, I believe um, we're like going to be having Howie's tape coming in, uh, which is an incredibly popular item, so... Between that and their uh, stick wax and whatnot, that might be an option for uh, guys to check out underneath the tree. Um, I believe that will be a product showing up soon on our website. I'm just not sure when the order's showing up. Sweatbands, that's another great idea. Goalies could always use sweatbands. And yes, they are replaceable. Yes, they are washable. And please do so. It gets so disgusting. People, are you telling me there's people out there that don't wash the sweatband? Uh, it's almost a weekly occurrence that the helmet will come in and it looks like it's just been left since since they bought it. They haven't taken out the sweatband, haven't changed any of the hardware, oh. done any maintenance to it. Yeah, it gets pretty disgusting. I'm oh, looking at you, God. you junior B kids. Oh, like, we're going to have to pause this while I go vomit in the corner. That's kind of gross. Yeah. Oh, I like, personally, I like the sham. You got like the sham wow sweatbands in here? Yes, we sure do. Speaking of grossing guys out. You go play a hockey game and you're wearing one of those and then you pull it out like even after a period and you go to the bench and you squeeze it and it is like the ShamWow commercials. Like literally, you will have a full cup of water, maybe two cups come pouring out of this tiny little sweatband and guys are just like, 
Oh. And you're like, yeah, guys, I'm working back here. Maybe you want to back check a little bit so you can sweat too. It's a, it's a great way to sort of drive that message home to a lazy defense on a beer league team. May or may not have done it once or twice. <laughs> I was going to say there's some shots taken across the bow there. Okay, so um, we've talked about good little quick Christmas gift items. Obviously, you can go do your shopping online if you're not in the area at thehockeyshop.com. Find whatever suits you. If you got some questions about fit, return policies if it doesn't fit, make sure you check out. Give somebody a call here. Lots of experts in the goalie department that are available to, to talk to you. What's the number, Cam? 604-589-8299. That wasn't your best radio voice. I think Hutch has got you on this one. We'll have a, we're going to have a radio voice off between you and him soon enough with the numbers. Um, shipping dates, though. I know it all depends. Obviously, if you're here in the Lower Mainland, come in in person. Um, but you can probably order right into like December 20th. You can't be like me and do your Christmas shopping on December 24th. Um, but you can probably leave it a little later. If you're going across the country to other parts of Canada or even the US, got to start thinking about this soon, right? We're into, you know, this podcast comes out on December 4th. Probably got maybe a week to 10 days before you're, you're cut off. So make sure you start that Christmas shopping now um, to get the best price, the best selection from the guys at thehockeyshop.com. Yes, uh, on our website, our shipping calculator is super handy. Can give you an estimate of the date. If you find yourself over, just give us a call and see if there isn't something that we could possibly sort out for you. But uh, that said, yeah, get on it sooner than later. And also try offline shopping. It's amazing. You can get it literally in two seconds. Well, they got to live around here. But, the, but, a, but a number of our listeners do. Offline shopping, that's a unique concept. Come into the store. It's a real slice of heaven, like we say. Goalie heaven down here in the basement. Um, sticks, too. Uh, you mentioned sticks as a popular item. Now, Black Friday sale is over. Looks like you cleared out a fair number of your pro foam core sticks at the two for one. No longer two for one, but some pretty good discounts. So if anybody's still looking for a foam core stick, they're still pretty steeply discounted on a separate rack here in the basement. Select foam core sticks. Select foam core sticks. Okay. But there's among those select are some very high-end pro-level foam core from Warrior in particular mm -hmm. um, that you're still trying to move out. So you can check that out again. Hockeyshop.com or in person at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. Cam, it's way too early to wish you Merry Christmas. I actually have to talk to you again before Christmas. I mean, I get to talk to you again before Christmas. Um, but for those of you thinking Christmas shopping, get on it now. One last thing. Speaking of gifts, speaking of gifts, this is this is why I get paid the big bucks for segues. We want to start mixing this up in the gear segment. Instead of Ask a Pro, we're going to ask Cam. We're going to we're going to have an Ask Cam segment. So. You can send your questions in to podcast at ingolmag.com. I'll get Hutch to overdub that in the better radio voice. Uh, it's podcast at ingolmag.com. And then he's going to pick the best ones and we're going to start answering. So if you got any unique questions about gear, um, how things fit, leg channels, brand to brand, make sure you send an email to us. And we're going to start answering those on top of our little gear reviews. Mix it up a little. Make it a little more interactive here on the In Goal Radio Podcast. Cam, thanks for agreeing to do that. You poor SOB. Wait till you see these questions. Um, and thanks for having us down at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, thehockeyshop.com. Thanks, Kevin. Gross, 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 gross. Talking about squeezing out the headbands? Gross. That's gross. That's what you meant by gross on text gross. message today. Yes, gross. Because I, 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 I listened to it. Squeezing it out's not gross. It's it's really gross. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just like Woody, how do you even have a beer league team to play for now? You throw those guys under the bus every, every single week. episode. If Jeez. anybody's listening, and I know none of them are goaltenders, They're but if goalies. anybody's listening. They're not listening. What a cranky pants to have to play with you.
Yeah, and 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 he starts making up his own sales right in the middle of the gear segment with yeah. Cap, <laughs> and Cap's like, "Oh no, no, not not all of them, not everything." Oh, Cam, okay, <laughs> let's put these on sale. <laughs> oh, I, I'm with you though. Like the headbands, like change change your mask stuff. That's well, he, that's gross. I couldn't but, believe when he told me that people didn't wash their headbands. Like that's insane. Hutch is, not, uh, yeah. Hutch is nodding like... like but then you, you took... Hutch, it, Hutch does you that mean you agree it's insane? Or are you, are you telling me you leave it in the bag? Um, That's I'll a guilty take, look. I'll take, I'll take the fifth on that one. Oh. Uh, oh I, I've, I, like, I've gone back-to-back skates with it, but generally I try and, and make sure I wash it with, uh, with the rest of my uh, underwear. But seriously, Hutch, you just leave it in nonstop? Like, you don't even know that it's attached by Velcro? You just think it's permanently in there? It's pretty dry by the time you get back to the next skate. Oh. <laughs> I'll just oh. say, then, I'll just say that... Skippy over here decides to to wring it out into a plastic cup that he carries with him to see how much he's working. I don't like, actually, That's gross. Probably <laughs> taking volume measurements and recording them every, every that's week. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Kevin's going to have a study soon about sweat volume being proportional to shot volume in games and Steve Valaket will help him publish it. I'm wor- I'm working on. Hey, speaking of Steve Valaket, yeah. um we are working on a deal. Um you want a nice little tease on the Ingold Premium side of things. Ooh. Um where we should be able to do regular stories featuring some of the data from ClearSight Analytics. I'm still finalizing those details, but really every time I get a glimpse at it, uh it tells a story that is quite often different from the public narrative. And so the chance to explore that and maybe match it to some team trends in terms of how they defend in systems and how a goalie yeah. plays, uh, I think that's going to be really cool. And so Steve's going to open the vault a little bit. Yeah, he's going to open the vault a little bit. I've been behind the scenes on just how much data is there. Can't give it away. Obviously, it's a product that NHL teams are paying for, and we have to be careful. Um, but right. just little slices of data to show what they can do while at the same time telling stories no one else is telling. Uh, I'm looking forward to adding that to be to be part of uh, the Ingle Premium story uh, as well. On the uh, headband uh, topic, uh, I, first guy that I saw would change during TV timeouts was Ed Belfour. He would take it out, throw it to uh, Brian Papineau, and uh, put a fresh one in during TV timeouts. And I hope Brian was wearing gloves. Yes, yeah, but at least he was switch. At least he was switching them out, not like some people. I I have you guys are gonna ridicule me now, and I'm just I know I'm just walking into this like two stick warm up guy, um, but I actually have two sweatbands, and I usually good by the third period I swap it out too quite often because it's just so soaked that hold, hold, once hold, it, no 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 you you take your mask off and switch your headbands during an hour men's league game where you just skate to the other end of the rink hour twenty we switch ends I grab it for the third period not all the time but quite oh. often. My because goodness. the sweat's coming down into your eyes by that point. You need a dry one. You, I knew, oh, I knew I was. Oh my goodness! Damn it! I shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> fortunately, you're the for guy you, we all make fun of. Fortunately for and, you, if you go to the hockey shop, you can get your sham yeah. sweatbands in three packs now. I think, can't you? Something yeah. like that. So, are, are you trying to tell wow. me, Darren, that if I was a forward, I'd have a tinted visor? For sure. Oh, of course he would. And, of course he would. And, Trying to think, you'd have you'd have uh, like blue tuck blades as well, and yeah, you, you'd have all the uh, custom engraved. Little, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can I just mention? Uh, I watched uh, the third period and the overtime uh, of Pekka Rene and Andre Vasilevsky this week. 
And I, it caused me to go back and watch the entire game. It was, it, it was on in the room when I got back from, uh, from covering my, my game. And wow, I, I think the style of play in the National Hockey League now, I, I used to watch goaltenders because uh, one guy played a style that I liked or, or he was unique like Jonathan Quick. Now you can watch almost any goaltender and be really entertained because the style of the game right now is so fast and offensive. It's, it's really cool. And those two put on a show. It was fun. Uh, the two, two, two of the more athletic, more entertaining guys in terms of watching. This is what I, what we've always said. Like, you don't need goals to have entertaining hockey. You just need scoring no. chances. And, and if, the, if the goalies are good and you force them to make great saves, man, like, like to me, that's entertaining. These guys sell that personality, sell that swagger, sell that athleticism, um, sell them taking away point blank opportunities. That's, as long as you have scoring chances, I think you have entertaining hockey. I don't care. I don't know what the final score was in that one. I don't care if it's one nothing, two one. Um, when you got goalies like that facing offenses like that, uh, color me entertained. Yeah, it was it was great. It was an overtime goal too that won up for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So let's get to our feature interview and Michael Gartig. You want to set this one up for us before we throw to it, Woody? Uh, just a guy that I got to know a little bit when he was with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, you know, just for a year. Uh, obviously coming out of college, uh, knew of him when they signed him, had worked, you know, he's worked with some guys that we know here locally. Jeff Bada was his goalie coach uh, in the BCHL, a guy that works, you know, close to me here in my area here in Vancouver and a guy I've known and, 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 and enjoy watching him coach. So just had some sort of common ties and, you know, he actually reached out from Finland. I'd, I'd seen that he'd been having a lot of success after going over to the SM Liga. Uh, won a Kelly Cup championship with Toronto's affiliate in the East Coast Hockey League, or EC- ECHL, apologies, um, last season, and just thought there might be some really good stories there. He reached out, said he'd love to come on, and sure enough, there were some great stories there. Let's go to Finland and chat with Michael Gartig, the feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports, The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. Here is Woody. Michael, I guess I guess for starters, I want to talk about where you are now. So you made the decision to go overseas to Finland and play in the SM Liga. Um, talk me talk me through that decision and what the experience has been like so far. I mean, it's going pretty well. I'm looking at the numbers, I'm looking at the stats, but I want I want to hear more about you know what the hockey's like and, and maybe for starters, just why why you made that choice. You win a Kelly Cup last year, ECHL championship. Why head overseas now? Ah. Uh- you know, I, I guess I really, I really I'll try not to bore you, but if we really want to go more in depth, I actually, uh, about like January, February last year, I accepted a job outside of hockey. Really? And so I was playing in Newfoundland and I was having a really good year, which I, I, you know, I was kind of just playing and seeing how it goes and I was having fun doing it. And, um, you know, I got a coaching offer from, uh, like a prep school in the U S is, you know, kind of the route that I wanted to do. And I got a master's in education and athletic administration. So it was, it was very fitting. So I, I, I essentially accepted this position and that was kind of in the back of my mind the whole time I was playing, but you know, as the year crept on, I obviously signed with the Marlies and I got a couple of AHL games. And then, um, in Newfoundland, I knew that we had a really good team and, um, sure enough, you know, as playoffs keep going and we keep going further, I'm like, oh man, I think hockey's probably uh, in the near future and I don't see myself really hanging them up anytime soon. So, um, you know, we won a Kelly Cup and 
um, we, we talked, my agent and I talked and we kind of discussed if I was going to be playing in the ECHL the following year, um, you know, whether it would be on an AHL contract, I, I kind of figured it was time for me to maybe get out of there and, and try to go overseas. But, you know, there's a lot of leagues over here. And if you're going to go to certain leagues, you want to make sure you're going to the right one. And um, when I got, I got an offer about two days after we won the Kelly Cup from Tapra and like did my research, called around and people are like, that's the best team in Finland. Like you're going to like the powerhouse of Finland. You'd be, you know, stupid not to go. And basically, you know, that was my no brainer. I, I, Toronto wanted to have me back there. Um, the Marlies, like they were willing to offer me an AHL contract, but made it pretty clear to me that I'd probably be in the ECHL. And um, for me, I wanted to progress. And, and to be honest, Toronto, they were so, so nice to me. They were so understanding. And they basically told me, like, you had such a good playoffs. You had such a good year. Like, you deserve an opportunity and you should go, go get one. So that was really cool. Okay, so there's a lot to unpackage there. Um, for, for starters, obviously the Kelly Cup Championship, but but let's go back to January. So you accept the job to coach, work as a coach in a prep school. The two-parter there is you've already got your master's degree. I know you went to Quinnipiac for the full four years, but were you just doing extra school on the side while playing pro hockey for three seasons? Like, How do you end up with your master's degree? And when you make that decision to go accept the job coaching are you like are, are you were you done with the game at all or were you not having fun at that point or was it just more trying to look at it as a career decision versus you know the joy or the love of the game i think it was a little bit of both i um for my second year pro when i played majority of the year well the whole year in kalamazoo um i what i was not having fun like there was I would say 5% fun in the whole entire year. But um, so during that season, I reached out to the PHPA and um, they set me up with a program at Endicott College in, in uh, Beverly, Massachusetts. And um, I got a master's fully online in one year. Um, I actually completed it in Newfoundland when I was playing. And um, it was like an amazing uh, opportunity to, you know, get my education, but keep playing. And but basically what happened was the year in Kalamazoo, I had such little fun. Like I was, I wasn't really playing in the ECHL. I was getting called up to the American league. I think I got called up eight times. I didn't play one game, um, you know, getting called up for a three and three and sitting on the bench for three games. And, you know, I'm not saying like, poor me, poor me, but it wasn't very fun because, you know, I wasn't playing hockey and, and that's why that's what I was getting paid to do. So, um, you know, I, I, when I signed with Newfoundland, I completely just, um, I had an ECHL contract with them and I signed in September and that turned into an AHL contract in November, December, and, and that turned into an ECHL championship. So like you talk about starting from the bottom and then finishing on top, it was a, it was an amazing year. And, and I, I couldn't, like, I was so grateful. I had so much fun and I just enjoyed the game again. and and. Here I am now. So, like you said, tough year in Kalamazoo. Not a much opportunity to play. But last year, you, you signed with the Growlers in Newfoundland. Nine oh nine save percentage. You end up finishing with a with a Kelly Cup BCHL championship. But like you said, called up to the Marlies, played a couple games, 
had some success, 917. Like, was it just all about enjoying the experience, Michael? Or were there elements of your game? I mean, I know you're a student of the position, so you're always looking to evolve and try new things and learn new things. What what was it? Was it just the environment or was, was it a bit of evolution for you too? Well, I mean, as you get older, like, I think the truth really is, is as goaltenders, we get older, we get better. And maybe a lot of that comes with maturity and kind of realizing like being more coachable and, and being able to adapt to the different styles of play and whatnot. But, but really what it was, was like, I, I talked to my girlfriend uh, before the year and I just said, like, I have to do this. I need to play because I cannot end on that note, like finishing off in Kalamazoo and, it was just, I just needed to like know that I could do it. And then when I went into Newfoundland, I said, you know, if this is my last year, I'm going to go in and I'm going to have as much fun as I possibly can. I'm going to, I'm going to be a part of the team. I'm going to enjoy the guys. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have fun when I, when I can. And, and, and then I'm going to be the hardest working guy on the ice. And, and it kind of all went together and we had an amazing team. Like these, we were an ECHL team with AHL players. And, um, you know, we, we, we just really gelled and in pro hockey. I mean, sometimes it's, it's rare. I find that you get a close team like that. And for me, that just made it as fun as it could be. Like, I mean, winning a championship at any level is, is amazing. So you don't really forget that, but I don't know something about the city of St. John's and, and just the like, group of guys, it, it was really special. Okay, so from Newfoundland to Finland, uh, how much culture shock or are there maybe some similarities in terms of, you know, I mean, not big cities or, you know, walk me through that. What's What's been the transformation for you off the ice, adjusting to a new culture, a new language, a new, a new environment, a new everything? Yeah, so that's that's where, like, uh, I could probably start to tell some more stories, but... Oh, we're, they, we're, we're listening. We'll take them. That was, uh, it was so funny because... Uh, Andrew Raycroft, I was skating in, uh, like stop at goaltending in, 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 uh, Merrimack with Brian Decord and I'm, I'm Andrew Raycroft played here in Tapara for the lockout season. And he's like, yeah, I got there and not one guy spoke to me. Like not one person said a word to me. And he's like, then on the weekend we had a sauna party and I got guys with their arms around me. Hey man, what's up? You're the best. Like, you know, and like, so I get here and I am no exaggeration. It was the exactly the same thing. I get to the rink. It's like, hi, I'm so-and-so nice to meet you. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Everyone's speaking Finnish. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, this is, this is different. You know, the whole week goes by. And I'm like, I think I said five words the entire week. And and I'm a talkative person. So then, then, then the weekend rolls around and, and we don't have any training or anything. And, you know, we're having beers and stuff and guys are like, Oh man, what's up you beauty. Like, you know, like, like, like no jokes, having their arms around me walking downtown. I was like, this, this is the funniest thing I've ever been a part of. So, so that was, that was a big, big, uh, culture change now, but they're very welcoming now. So I got to ask, like, do you think that's like, have you figured that out? Did Andrew ever figure that out? Is it just in the locker room, they're speaking Finnish and you're just not part of that conversation? Or is it, did it take the social element on the weekend to loosen them up and now everything's good? Like when you're in the room now, is there more than five words? Oh yeah. No, now it's like, it's just almost like a regular setting. But, but I asked them, like I said, I, I told, I tell them this story. I'm like, you know, the first two weeks, this is what it was like. And 
they're like all of them all of them say the same thing like well we're kind of like a shy culture and we don't we don't think we speak very good english so we don't want to speak english and and they all like majority of the guys they speak great english and um you know like our coach speaks like almost no english but but um they they just are shy and they're they're a little you know standoffish because they 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 feel embarrassed if they mess up words and whatever and then you know, as I'm like, well, okay, imagine me speaking Finnish. So like, let's, let's get over that. And then, you know, we can move forward. So, um, now, now it's like much better, but, but I mean, you know, guys are speaking Finnish 99% of the time and, you know, to really be involved in the conversation, you kind of got to ask or, um, you know, they'll, if they're wanting to talk to you, you know, it's in English. So I guess you have a new appreciation for what people go through when they come, you know, especially like players who come from countries that where English isn't a predominant language, come from Russia uh, to play hockey over here. Like what that must be like walking into that locker room is probably a new perspective on that. Yeah. And I know like I read a big thing about like Capo Caco in in, uh, New York Rangers. And I know for like guys here said that he speaks like very little English and you know, he's going to New York City, which is you know, one of the biggest places in the world. So, you know, like uh, I couldn't imagine the culture that he's going through. And, and it did give me another appreciation because I remember when I was with Vancouver and Ole Yolevi was there and, you know, he, he was the same thing, very shy. And guys, guys were like, man, like, you know, he needs, he needs to be more comfortable and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, now I understand because that's just the way Finnish people are. They, 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 you know, I'd say 90% of these guys are, are, quiet reserved people and then you get like the one loud Finnish guy who's always yapping but it's pretty is 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 it's a different culture and that that was a really big adjustment and and um you know you can't really learn the language either because it's like the sixth hardest language to learn in the world so <laughs> that would be that would be I, I mean i have enough trouble i can't remember my grade 12 french that i learned in school here in canada so i'm definitely yeah, well, put me down for I'd be the quiet guy in the corner if I was in a Finnish locker room for sure. What uh, you mentioned, the coach doesn't speak English. How's what about your goaltending coach? And obviously, we've heard so much about Finnish goaltending development. We've seen some of the influences uh, over here in North America. We characterize it as active hands, certainly being a component. What's that experience like? I'm hoping he speaks English. I know you told me he's got uh, he's got us bookmarked on the on the computer. So that's a positive. He's got to at least read it. What's, what's been the experience? Who, who is it? Who's the goalie coach there? I don't have it in front of me. And what's that been like? His name's Aki Naki, And he was a goalie coach in Bern last year in the Swiss league. And they won the championship. And then he came here. Uh, he's from Finland, but he speak he speaks really, really good English. And it's funny because goalie coaches, obviously are all, all goalie coaches get sensitive when you talk, about other goalie coaches and who you've worked with and like a bad girlfriend, but he, <laughs> he, this, this guy is, he's really good. You know, sometimes like I almost want to tell him like, Hey, we got to step back because we work so hard. And like, that's the Finnish culture. Like you work so hard and people might think you come to Europe and it's like, I ah, go enjoy the experience. Like that's not the case. This is like, <laughs> this is like harder than the NHL. So <laughs> it's like, we put in a lot of work, but this guy's really good. He speaks English. He's very good with me because like I said, the coach doesn't speak English. Like he speaks every meetings in Finnish, every power play meetings in Finnish, every, you know, pregame film is in Finnish. And we have a translator, like the assistant coach translates. It's, 
so that's different. But then with the goalie stuff, like he's uh, the other goalie speaks not like he speaks okay English. So everything's in Finnish to him. Everything's in English to me. So he's got a pretty big job. And uh, we we got our own language as goaltenders, anyways. Pretty much, and and that's what we joke about. Say we're the hardest working guys, and we're always doing extra. So it's uh, he's been very helpful, and I can't say a bad word about him. And the the style of play, yeah, very different. They like, for example, when I first came here, like they didn't like the way I played because I was too too passive. Like I'm not very aggressive, and um, you know, I think last year in Newfoundland, I played very quiet, calm game. Like just try to be square to the puck and limit skating and just, just, you know, be, be in position and control. And here, like they want you to be aggressive. They want you to like, you know, sometimes charge the shooter. And my other, my goalie partner, he probably was like too much, but now with, I guess, probably, probably working with me and the goalie coach, he has become more reserved and he's playing really well. And then you know, for me, I can watch him. He's a little more aggressive and I can be a little bit more aggressive and still use that to my advantage. And, and, you know, I've been playing well minus my last maybe couple games, but you know, uh, so far so good. So a lot, a lot of credit goes to him. I was going to say nine thirty save percentage. Things are going pretty well over there. Um, yeah. now when you say crazy aggressive, like you mean like heels out above the top of the crease, we're not talking like charging out two pad Johnny Bauer poke checks out here, which is just, you mean more positionally, a little more assertive. Yeah. Like, of course, like the goalie coach, of course, you know, he wants everything to be in controlled and he's okay with you being aggressive as long as you are controlled. But like, I think the coaches and like, even like the managers and like, they, they love like the finished style goaltending and that's like, go get them, you know? So, um, you know, that, that I think, but, maybe when they watch me play or especially earlier on in the year, like I've gotten so much better at skating and like, this is the first year that I can actually say like, I'm probably like a pretty decent skater and that's, I've never been able to say that in my career. So, um, you know, I think now they see though that like maybe the passiveness and like the calmness is, is helpful, like putting rebounds into the net and, you know, getting hit in the chest instead of, you know, (laughs) scrambling and diving head first. So it's, uh, it's probably a little bit of, seeing both ways a little less a little less highlight reel saves for the marketing department is is is, may not help the marketing department but it's probably a good thing as a goaltender yeah seriously i don't think i've made one this year opposed to last year in the echl (laughs) you're stretching out a lot what's uh what's the style of game like over there we've heard that you know among the finnish leagues uh or sorry along the among the european leagues the 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 finnish the sm liga is a little closer to north american style there's a little more directness in the attack um, whereas, you know, some leagues over there, it's all pass, 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 east, west. Um, I know you play, is it kind of a hybrid building? It depends on where you're at. Some of the rinks are, bi- are bigger than others, but, uh, you know, it's not all the full Olympic size sheet, like most European rinks. Like walk me through some of the nuances and is that tough as a goaltender? Not just adjusting your angles, maybe even depending on which team you're playing and which rink you're in, or is it, or is it pretty much standardized to that hybrid between North American and Europe? No, it's, it is like every team here plays a different style. And like, I think a big thing, what I learned was that every team in this league has a budget and it goes from, you know, like there's four teams that have a pretty high budget. And then there's probably four teams that have a pretty low budget. So like those top four teams are pretty darn good. And then 
there is a little bit of a, there's a bunch of teams in the middle that are, you know, they can probably beat you on any certain night, but then there's the bottom teams and those bottom teams are, you know, you should, should win whether it be on the road or at home. So, um, that was a big, that was interesting to me. I, I didn't really get that, but I mean, they had the budgets listed in the newspaper, so it's not a secret. And, you know, you do play in certain places, smaller market teams that have little smaller rinks, and then you play on some rinks that are like Olympic size ice. So yeah, I think that's a factor, but in terms of the style of play, like it is definitely more defensive than it is in North America. I compare it more to the AHL than it is the ECHL. Like AHL is very like you go North and you're chipping pucks in and you're going and, and that's how it is here. But we, it's a possession game. So you might have a shift, you might have a shift five on five in their zone for two minutes, but you might not even get a shot on net because the team was boxing. <laughs> it's uh, it can be kept to the outside and some teams will just trap some teams, you know, will play more aggressive. So it's a little different, a little more controlled than the, the ECHL. Like is there, the ECHL got a, a little more scrambly, a little more broken plays. I mean, just as a development league, there's as a goaltender, you know, I've heard this over the years, like it's easier going up to the AHL is easier than the ECHL. And, in some respects, nobody wants to disrespect, like, but in some respects, the NHL can be easier as a goaltender just because guys are doing, there's less broken plays, there's less mistakes in front of you. Guys are sort of where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, it, 100%. That's, couldn't agree with you more. And like, obviously, like for my time in the American League, and, you know, maybe I didn't take as good advantage as I could have when I did come up and, Newfoundland, we did a good job, but in, like, I'm not, discrediting Kalamazoo or the coaching staff or anything, but man, it was a, a run and gun game where like you're giving up a lot of chances and it can be really hard on a goalie. And, and I, you see it all the time. I mean, you see a lot of good goalies in the ECHL either, you know, struggling because of, you know, it's a lot of, there's a lot of backdoor passes and broken plays. And in this league, it's, it's a pretty, it is defensive minded play. So chances and that's definitely helpful and and i think in the ahl you can be like that at times too so now you hey, you mentioned skating a few minutes ago and that you, you you'd improved your skating Well, I think like in, I mean, it goes back to the start where you have to become more mature and kind of understand maybe yourself and who's coaching you and, and, um, you know, understand the game just better. And I think like when I was in Kalamazoo, for example, I was chasing the puck. So like, you know, I'm charging the guy when he comes down on two on one, I'm charging the shooter. And if he passes back door, I'm not even close to being available to it. Whereas in the next year in, in Newfoundland, I changed completely where I'm not charging anyone. And I'm, I'm going so passively to the, the shooter that if he passes that I'm available for the backdoor save. But here now it's like we do so, so much skating where to the point where like for, on a power play, for example, I think that would be the biggest thing. Crossing that middle line, I used to slide all the time to the backdoor. So like 
you're challenging the shooter and he passes across and you're just sliding because you feel late to the pass or whatever reason and you slide over then you get up on your feet and you try to make the save or you're making the save as you're sliding whereas in now i'm like we had a stat we have stats and we do tracking of how much goals you're getting scored on from you know zones and just what steve alquette does basically in, in finland version and like my Royal Road, I've been scored on zero times. So this year I've been scored on zero times from a pass across, which I think directly goes towards my skating because like if I'm on one side and they pass across to the other, I, you know, obviously my head tracking to the puck is, is doing the thing. But if I'm skating, I'm already in position for that one time or whatever that shot is. And I'm staying on my feet and that's the biggest difference, even from the beginning of the year till now, staying on your feet. Like if I'm coaching or goalie coaching, like I'm, I'm pounding that into my students. I love for kids to stay on their feet as long as they possibly can to be available for the shot. Yeah. Just beating plays and beating them on your feet, beating them on your skates. Um, do you talked about the finished goaltending coaching? One of the things that we've seen, at least I don't think anything's universal. There's no absolutes in the sport, but we've certainly seen, more of it from goalies coming from Finland. And, and we've heard that this is more of a philosophy, but shuffles versus T pushes. Obviously, it depends on the length of the push, how much distance you have to cover. It's clearly situational. But as you get into coaching and, and being coached over there, is this something you've noticed? Is this something you've utilized in your game where, you know, maybe from the top of the crease on the sa- to the same side post, instead of a slide or instead of defaulting down or instead of having to open up that lead leg and a T push, you just make a shuffle and you're there. Have you experienced any of that from the coaching? You see the benefits or you're still, I mean, you're still only a couple months in over there. Yeah, no, I think like, I think if it's on the same side of the ice, a lot of it, it can be uh, shuffles and he kind of allows us to maybe whatever is our strength. But I think a big thing is, is what we've been doing, like with that, say like from one face off dot to the other face off dot, it's not just like a T push. You kind of have to C cut, then T push. So you're, you're, you're forward and then you kind of like C cut backwards, you know, then your head and everything else goes and then you T push over to the other side. And for me personally, I find that's been so successful because like, like I said, not a strong skater. So it gives me a little bit of momentum with the C cut, but then it allows me to be square to the middle. Like if something is to happen, you know? So the C cuts is the C we've seen the C cut used as a momentum build. Some coaches like it, some coaches don't, but in addition to a momentum build, you're using it to build that angle before you push. And so when you arrive, I'm guessing you're probably getting there set and square because you've sort of created that angle through the C cut. Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny because like, it's so funny that you say like with the T push and the, and the shuffle, because like, I mean, one summer I skated with Steve Valaket and, and I'm doing, like the double shuffle, you know, we're doing like the double shuffle or we're, we're trying to limit, um, as much example is this summer I'm doing the double shuffle. And this guy is like, this <laughs> loses his mind on me. Like, what are you doing? There's no way you're double shuffling. Like you can't shuffle that. Like you have to open up your hip and T push. And I'm like, for one, I'm old and it hurts to T push. But for two, like, I actually think it's just as efficient. So and like, oh, but like everyone's different. And, and I think, you know, learning these tools, no matter who you are or what you're doing, it is important. So it's, it, it, I think you do what works, but at the same time, you know, it's good to have all these tools in your bag. 
Well, there, there's a perfect opportunity. So fill us in. Like, where's your background? Obviously, you know, from a coaching, the evolution of your game, we focused on Finland. We've talked about your time with the with Newfoundland, the Growlers, the, and the Toronto Marlies last year and their organization. Um, we haven't really touched on Quinnipiac, uh, playing in the BCHL before that. Uh, what's like, how'd you get started in goal? What made you want to be a goalie? And what was the evolution of, of your game growing up and into college and now as a pro? Or the, who were some of the key factors? Yeah, I think like <laughs> I, I read some of the stuff that you put out there, like with Big Brothers, and I I like I almost reached out to you because yeah, like the I we had an unfinished basement in our in our house in Prince George, and um, my brother played hockey. He's three years older than me, and like his friends would come over, and I wanted to play, and he'd be like, "Well, if you want to play, you know, you can play, but you got to be goalie." So probably like a little bit of a revenge thing where he could just wire shots at me and try to hurt me. But, um, I think that's kind of where I got started. And then on another, on another like part of it too, which is funny. I like you say people have a business mind and I was like, and when I grew up in Prince George, there was not very many 1991 born goaltenders. So I, once I kind of realized that like I got to like Adams, maybe like 10 or 11 years old, I was like, there's no goalies my age. Like I should just be goalie. Like, you know, I can make, I can make the top team and then, <laughs> you know, I'll play a lot. So a lot of the years that I did play rep hockey as a second year, I always had a 1992 born goalie with me. So it usually benefited me because then I was playing more and, um, you know, that's kind of how I got started. And then, um, I definitely was like a late bloomer. I kind of just played off athleticism and playing in Prince George, like, probably not usually the strongest teams and a couple of really good players, you know, of course, but then we, you know, we had a little more of a hard time competing with the Vancouver teams and, you know, we do okay maybe against the Okanagan teams, but you know, I, I actually started off with the Cornell millionaires and I, uh, I made the team out of training camp when I was 17 years old and I was on the bench for maybe like a month and a half, two months. And, um, I went in once in relief and didn't play very well and, uh, got back to Cornell and there was a goalie's gear in my stall. So I, I, uh, writing was on the wall and I actually ended up well played junior B in the KIJHL. And I actually think that's where it all started. I, I was so lucky that I had this coach named uh, Dale Hadoon and, uh, everyone calls him Dooner and he's still coaching in the KIJHL with under model, I believe. And this guy was just like, probably the first, of course I had coaches in my minor hockey that believed in me and, and gave me opportunities. And I've, I'm obviously thankful for that. But this guy was like, So sure enough, I played that year with them and we weren't a great team, but I got a ton of shots and he's like, what team do you want to go to? And I said, Powell River. He said, okay. And I, got, I went to Powell River for two years and then I, uh, then I played in Penticton my 20 year old year and won an RBC cup there and then went to college. And, and, and had a, had a, yeah, I mean, 15, 16, you guys had a hell of a run in the NCAA too. Yeah. Yeah. My first year in Quinnipiac, I was the backup goalie and we, we lost in the frozen four to Yale. And then my 
fourth year, my last year, uh, we lost to North Dakota in the final. And then I signed with the Vancouver Canucks and, you know, that was kind of, uh, like a dream come true. I was, I'm from BC. I was like the only team I wanted to sign with. And <laughs> I, uh, obviously, unfortunately, like, you know, they treated me well and, and, and I can't say bad words about it, but unfortunately I never really got given much of an opportunity there. And, and that, it leaves me a sour taste, of course. Yeah, that's, that's tough too. And I was going to say like, even making it tougher is you spent a good chunk most of the year in the coast or in the ECHL, but in that, in that year for the Canucks, that meant being in Alaska. And yeah. that's, you know, like that was your, where, where was your closest competition for the Alaska Aces at that point in the ECHL? Like that's a tough, that's a bit of a tough road trip. Yeah. I think our closest game was Idaho, but you fly everywhere through Seattle, which is three hours. And then you got to connect somewhere else to, to wherever. But, but like that year was, is a funny year because you know, it, sh- it says I played, I don't know, 20 games or something in the ECHL. And I actually was only in Alaska for maybe two months. Really? Hey, yeah, 20, yeah. 22 games and you're only there for two months. Yeah, I think I was there. I was there at the start of the season. I got called up for about six weeks. Um, I played like maybe six games or something. And then... to you, to, And that's, of course, that's to Utica. So when yeah. we talk, I mean, Alaska, like... Our listeners, go grab a map if you're listening to this right now, or better yet, find an airline, log on and try and get a flight from Alaska to anywhere near Utica. I'm guessing that's not a short trip. That's probably a two-dayer. You, you talk about your first first year pro and you talk about not understanding what pro hockey is. And uh, this was the craziest. I'm in Alaska. So first year pro, I get sent down to Alaska, played, I don't know, eight games or something. And I'm in Alaska. Our team is leaving to Wichita, Kansas. And my coach calls me in Alaska and he says, Hey, Garts, you got called up. And I go, Oh, wow. Like to Utica, when do I go? He goes, No, to the Vancouver Canucks. You're actually, you're leaving like 3 a.m. and you're sitting on the bench like tonight. And I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. So obviously, I'm the most excited as possibly can be. Like, thinking of all scenarios. My brother lives in Vancouver. I have like family there. And I was just like, this is a dream. So that was so cool. But then I sit on the bench for the game, you know, next day or next day, day after whatever, I get sent down and I go to the ECHL. So I go to Alaska and I meet them in Kansas or Wichita. So I play two games in Wichita. I get a shutout. And the next game I play, I'm on the bus, phone call, you got called out to Utica. <laughs> so I thought I was going to Vancouver for like, a, like a day or two, which I, you know, so I, and then I, so I pack like a duffel bag and this is a, the story that everyone will tell. And like so many people will tell you always bring a suit on the road. Cause you never know what happened. Sure enough. I go from Alaska to Vancouver, Vancouver to Wichita, Wichita to Utica. And all I got is a duffel bag and like, you know, like a folded suit in my bag. So like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm in Utica for like maybe a week or two, whatever happens. But I was there for six weeks. With one duffel bag. I had to go buy a bunch of clothes. Like, yeah, so that was, that was interesting. Then I get sent down to Alaska again. And then I played maybe about a month in Alaska or a month and a half. And then I got called back up to Utica and I finished the season in Utica. So I actually never went back to Alaska. And like crazy thing was, is I played like with Thatcher Demko, like me and him were, 
uh, goalie partners essentially. And no joke, he, he, I didn't play a game for 30 something days and he played every game and and he was playing, he was playing great. Like he was, I, I remember thinking like, wow, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I was really upset because I wanted to play, but I, I remember being like, yeah, he's, this guy's a real deal. He'll be in the NHL. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> What's that like though? Like your first year pro and you're sitting there watching for 30 days and how has that experience helped you uh, now or as a pro over the years or even in life? Like that's, that's a tough experience to go through. Can you find positives in it? Can you find takeaways from a maturing standpoint or lessons? I think, I think the part that frustrated me the most was I was on an NHL contract. So I wasn't like, on an AHL contract or an ECHL contract on a PTO or something like I was like on an NHL contract making the exactly the same amount of money as Thatcher was. And, you know, I felt like I deserved like, you know, at least a little bit of opportunity, but I understand like now, like looking back on it and learning, like, you know, it, it's a business and you got to win. And like, you know, like I said, like, like I said, maybe I wasn't ready at the time and I did play some games and I did play well at times. and you know, even at my first game after like that 30 something days, I played a road game in Wilkes-Barre. I played great. And, you know, like I remember I didn't get a message from the coach until like three in the morning telling me I was playing. And then the next day he, I was like getting a coffee and he was like freaking out, looking for guys being like, does Garth know he's playing? Like he's playing, (laughs) you know? And like, so like that was an eye opener and that was, that was like a little bit deflating, but at the same time, the next year they signed like Utica signed me to a, an AHL deal. And like, it wasn't the NHL deal obviously that I would have wanted, but I mean, it was, I was in the same position as I was the following year or the year prior. So you just learn and you just, you know, you take the positives and the goods and the bads. And, and I think one thing I did learn a lot was like that year in Utica, I never played a home game. The next year in Kalamazoo, I played 24 games. I played 18 road games. And now I'm in Finland. I've played 11 games and I've played seven or eight road games. You're the, you're the road warrior. I'm <laughs> the road warrior. Like guys here in Finland, like, like even like they think it's hilarious. Like, you know, they, like they're like, oh man, road goalie. <laughs> like, you know, so that, that's been tough sometimes because of course everyone you know, typically you play better at home, like as a team. And it's, it's nice to have the people cheering for you for a change as opposed to jeering you. Of course. But I think what I've learned, like, like from these years in the past is you sometimes think the world's out to get you, you know, you think, well, this isn't fair. I'm playing road games, but at the end of the day, you know what, you should be just grateful that you're playing. And, and that's where I've learned to like hear and it, like, for example, like my last couple of games haven't probably gone as well as I would have liked. And I was kind of looking like poor me, but like, I'm 28 years old. Like don't make excuses. Like you're getting an opportunity to play, take your opportunity, play, do well. And you know what? Like, this is what we get paid to do. So be mentally tough and, and be better. Would you change anything? I mean, when you came out of Quinnipiac, especially that run to the NCAAs and, and the numbers you had that year, um, you know, I don't know this. My guess is, though, you probably had other opportunities before choosing the Canucks. Would, would you 
maybe change asking if you'd change something isn't fair, but would you give a goalie in a similar situation any different advice? Because we do see a lot of for NCAA guys, um, you know, they're wooed. They're sort of you, teams try and sell them on signing with them. And yet the reality after they sign is quite different than than maybe the rosy picture a lot of guys envision when they first sign that ticket out of college, especially as, you know, obviously as a free agent. Yeah, I think like Vancouver didn't lie to me. Like they, they didn't, they didn't lie to me, but maybe they weren't as a bit of a selling point with them was that, you know, there's a chance that you're going to play in the ECHL. And I understood that, but they kind of tried to make it something that they would sign me the following year, which in hindsight they did, (laughs) but not to an NHL contract, but, um, you know, so that, that I believe that I believe like, okay, I'm going to play one year. Maybe it's in the coast, but they're going to resign me. And so I was a little naive to that, but, um, like I said, they were upfront with me and they were, you know, professional. It's not like they were bad people. I, I get it, you know? And yep. Their goalie that signed an AHL contract, maybe a, I think he signed a two-year AHL contract. He played in the AHL that year and was like getting a lot of opportunity just on an AHL contract. So sometimes maybe the NHL contract seems so appealing, but it, wherever you're getting the most opportunity is what's most important. And, you know, for me, I wanted to play in the AHL. And I mean, for me, I still want to play in the AHL. And and I feel like I, I can play in the AHL. And that's hard for goalies to understand because I'm not the only one, of course. You know, everyone at this level thinks, you know, they, they're capable of doing so. And they probably are. And and that was, you know, that's a little bit of an eye-opener. But at the same time, you can't have regrets. You know, I, I love college. Four years, best years of my life. And, you know, I got to sign with the, you know, the dream team of, of my home province and, and like so many people from Prince George and, and BC in general were so happy for me. And do you have the have Jersey that. from the, the one night where you got called up to be the backup goalie, the emergency backup? Did you get to keep that? Is that on a wall somewhere or what? No, I, I have like every Jersey, but that Jersey. What? And I know. I know. I'm going to have to call it well, You know, I'll just, Thatcher can buy me one. He can pay for it. <laughs> I'll I'll poke around and see if it see if it see if it maybe didn't get sold at at the year end team sale. Um, yeah. Hey, last one. Uh, you talked about you know being able to play and knowing you can play at certain levels. Uh, do you go over to what do you go over with the mindset of? I mean, we've seen. I mean, obviously the most famous one is Tim Thomas. You know, I remember talking to him. You know, the last year he went back there, it was with the designs that this is where I'm going to end my career, and and look what happened to him. Um, as goalies, we try and stay in the moment and not look too far forward, but where do you see this step to Finland? We've seen so it's funny. We see a lot of Finnish goalies have success and everybody wants them, um, based on success in the Finnish league. Do you see that opportunity for yourself? Hey, if I can play over here and post same kind of numbers and have the same kind of success and continue to evolve, there can be opportunities back in North America. Yeah. Like I think like the, the unique thing about this league is like teams, next year already have their goalie signed. So like guys on my team, guys on other teams, like are they already signed somewhere else or with the same team? And it's very bizarre. So like in Finland and in Europe in general, like 
a lot of teams are doing their work for next year already. So that was, that's different. But at the same time, like, obviously I'm in touch with my North American agent and like, you know, he tells me like, Hey, you put up numbers like you are, like people won't be able to ignore that. And so like, of course it's an interest of mine to come back and, and, you know, was my mindset that when I came here, like, no, not at all. <laughs> like, like I was thinking, I was thinking more like, let's just see what, 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 ha- what this has in store. But, um, yeah, no, I, of course, like, I think if you play in Sweden, Finland, Switzerland, uh, Russia, of course, like, you know, those leagues, like anything's possible. If you do well, like you could probably jump back over and, and do well. And you're seeing success with that. But for me, like I said, like, if that does happen, like I want to be like a three or a four in the AHL and, um, you know, of course I want to be in the NHL, but like in realistic terms, I, I'd like to be playing in the American league so that I have an opportunity to potentially play in the NHL. And, you know, like Toronto, when I was done the year there, like they told me like, you should have AHL interest. Like you can play in, in that league. And like, we believe you can too, but like we have prospects and, you know, my age is obviously a factor too. I'm getting older and that hurts me, but I mean, this league's good enough that if you do well, I feel like why not? Right. Like if a team's willing to take a chance on you and they believe, or they've done their research and homework, you know, I, you know, I, I would love to do that. And if not, you know, I would, I look for other opportunities over here in Europe and, you know, you only have so many years you can play hockey. So I'm trying to enjoy it as much as I can. And, whether I keep playing, I do. And whether I don't, I don't. And I think I'll be fine when I, when I'm done playing and, you know, have a head on my shoulders. So. And there's still, there's still that prep school job. They holding that one for you or what? <laughs> the guy is an awesome guy. And uh, he's going to have to hold it a while. I think, I think he's going to have to wait on you for, for a little while yeah. here. Well, we're still, we're still in touch, but he, he, he understands. He wants me to keep playing and doing well. So. Okay, well, congrats, Mike. Thank you, thank you very much, Michael, for joining us on the Angle Radio podcast for sharing the experiences. I know our listeners are gonna are gonna enjoy listening to it as well. Um, continued success over there, man, and let's let's stay in touch. Uh, I'm very happy to hear that your goalie coach does have In Goal Magazine bookmarked on his on his webpage. So uh, you know, keep an eye out over there and keep in touch with us, and and we'd love to continue the conversation as you continue the career. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. There was a lot there and uh, a very cool conversation. Uh, and and I checked out uh, the numbers and they're having a great year. Uh, this The story about how he was basically warned that nobody was going to talk to him when he first got there. And and then it, it worked out exactly the way the way it was warned uh, of him and set up was was cool. But uh, it, becoming a better skater mid mid career. That was neat. The shuffle versus T push. That was a cool conversation. Uh, Hutch, what what kind of jumped out at you here? Um, how about a duffel bag on the road for two days that turned into six weeks? <laughs> I right. mean, it's a real behind the scenes look at what it's like to be a minor league goaltender. Uh, all the way to Alaska, then all the way down to Utica, Vancouver, all over the shop. Uh, it's it's not easy chasing the dream. Yeah, and he wouldn't take a shot at Vancouver, but I got to say, like that year. You know, he was good about it and he had no disrespect and nothing but good things to say. But man, we in the media, we watched that and we're like, seriously, your your ECHL affiliates in Alaska, your AHL affiliates in Utica and you're in Vancouver. Like, does nobody have a map in this organization? And yeah, you can 
you could sort of laugh it off and 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 he did the experience he went through there but that's a first year pro and we talk about having to learn how to be prepared to play games i would argue it's pretty hard when you got plane trains and automobiles to get from one affiliate to the next i know it's a reality of minor hockey but talk about putting yourself in a position where that reality doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes and we've heard that criticism of the canucks just being in utica alone uh, i frankly i think it's applicable i think it's true i think there's an element of it that's true funny story but not ideal. And and it is life in the in, in the minor leagues. I what wasn't it uh local another local guy Angus Redmond last year got got called up by Anaheim oh. chance to sit on the bench in Vancouver but he was already on the road with his team and had no expectation that he was coming to Canada so he didn't have a passport with him when he right. was sent up to Vancouver and yeah, uh, he I think family had to drive it down to him, right? Yeah, that he shared yeah. that story with us. Um, obviously, it was his NHL debut, at least from warm-up and on the bench standpoint with the Anaheim Ducks. And yep. again, Angus Redmond is a guy that I'd met because he works, he's from the area, works locally with Angelo Maggio at Magic Goaltending. I'd see, I'd been on the, I'd been on the ice and watched him work in the summers there. And you're right, was, was traveling Packed a temporary bag. He'd been moved from one. I think he maybe was moved from the A to the E, CHL, or something like that on a road trip. Gets the call up. And the only way for him to get to Canada, to sit on that bench, to get that opportunity with the Anaheim Ducks, was to fly into Seattle. His parents drove down to pick him up. Of course, he didn't have his passport. His parents don't have his passport. It's back at his, his it was, you know, wherever the, the home base was. I don't know if it was San Diego or if he was with uh, their, other affiliate so, there yeah. and so but you just need a driver's license to come back into your own country so they picked him up in seattle he drove through the border back up into canada was sitting you know had his warm-up did his morning skate talked to us with the ducks they were chartering back to anaheim that night and if his passport didn't arrive before the end of the game that flight was leaving without him and he'd have to wait and then go back down fortunately the courier got it to Rogers Arena before the game ended, and he was able to join the team in the trip back to Anaheim. So some lessons there. Uh, never pack too light, and always make sure you have your passport on you if you're in the minor pros uh, of your early <laughs> stages of your hockey career. Trying to think of a, a courier showing up at uh, at gate eight at Rogers Arena saying, I've got this package uh, for our Redmond. Uh, anybody know what's going on here? Yeah, you uh, just r- run back to the rundown of the Anaheim bench and hand it to him. Uh, the becoming more patient. Uh, I thought that was cool. Uh, year to year in the ECHL, and and the fact that he just he he didn't want it to end the way it did, uh, the way it, it was set up to do, and and he decided he was going to play one more year, and he won that Kelly Cup and got some experience with the with the Toronto Marlies. So uh, there's there's also one other one, and this was uh, just a random drop in through your conversation, and the small world of goaltending, but he mentioned his junior B coach. Dale uh, Ladoon. Dale Ladoon. Dooner. Okay? Okay. Dale Ladoon. Well, we just knew him as Dooner or Dale. Had a very strong influence on my minor hockey career. Uh, and worked at the International Goaltending School in Yorkton, Saskatchewan with Reg Kachanowski, but was also part of the Brandon Minor Hockey Association. And Dooner and I go way back. Uh, and and I like I, I, his last name. Nobody ever said it. I just called him Dooner. So when you got when he mentioned Dooner there, I almost uh, fell off the chair. So I think that is so cool. And Dooner was he like he's he's a salesman. He's a teacher. He's a mentor. He's a friend. He's a he's a, he's a great uh, ambassador of the goaltending community. Uh, he was a college goaltender uh, way back when. So Dooner, 
uh, a shout out to you and and congratulations on on mentoring this this young man who's now in, in his mid twenties. So that's the small world of gold. Like my parents know Dooner. It just just it was it was wild to hear his name brought up. Well, small world, and also just goes to show you that the different people that can have them, you know, may not seem like a, you know, from the outside, you may wonder how big an impact, but clearly a, a huge impact on this guy's career. Yeah, and and uh, Dale just he was he was a funny guy. He was the first guy that I ever saw do the uh, you know how a, well, a horse sounds when it, when it's walking through a stable on on concrete or whatever, like the clop clop. He would do that with goalie skates at goalie school. I just thought it was funny. Uh, maybe explains why I never made it because I thought that part was funnier than uh, than stacking the pads or doing a doing a, a t push or something. But there there you go. There's the I, I I I'm guilty of rambling. I've got a similar one. I've got a really? similar. Well, yeah, I remember growing up in Mississauga, Ontario, playing in Streetsville and uh, just worshiping the sound of the Streetsville Derby's junior B goaltender walking along the hallways in his old Lang skates. I don't know squeak, if you remember squeak. those. Yeah, yeah. And I just had to have a pair of those skates. So that is cool. Very, very, so, very similar. You know what I'm hearing? We need like our own little in goal ASMR studio to imitate these you guys probably don't. Even, was it ASMR where they make the sounds in the mic? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, we need we need one of those to. So so we need to. This is this is an audio format. We need to drive sales to certain. Forget like reviews of equipment. We need to make sounds that they make <laughs> and create subliminal messages to go buy this skate. Who's a goalie well, sound effect person out there listening in and wants to help us out? Uh, let's uh, let's do that. We'll add it to in goal. Uh, premium. Congratulations, guys. Uh, and for everybody that, that wants to check it out, go to ingolmag.com and uh, and just it's you won't be disappointed. Trust me on that. If you want to see behind the curtain, uh, we we I love listening to the stories that everybody uh, is able to bring through this podcast, but that just takes it up another level, Woody. I just one quick tease. Like we did talk about some of the content that's up there right now. Um, obviously, Craig Anderson sharing how he the switch to Bauer. We talked about that. There's a Kerry Rice Carry Rice. He's he's usually called Carry Price. Pro reads where he walks us through a play and his reads on it, and a fascinating read why he goes makes a half butterfly save, um, and why he was holding an edge to push. Like just it was fascinating to walk through a play with him. Uh, we talked about Linda Blomquist and and how Sweden invented the RVH, the role she played in inventing the RVH, and and sort of the evolution of it starting in Sweden uh, and. The other article that we didn't mention is uh, just a simple movement skating drill. James Jensen, coach of the Everett Silvertips, worked with him up in Kelowna. But his demo goalies for this one, guys, uh, none other than Lorraine Brassois and Connor Hellebuck, demoing a skating drill. Probably the guy who's the right now, I would say, is the favorite for the Vesna Trophy. So if you want to watch him do some skating drills and learn how it can help your game, check that out this week at Ingle Mag, the premium edition. That is what you call uh, putting a little gloss on this episode, or, or you might say, based on our feature interview, some finish. Ooh. For Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, I'm Darren Millar. Thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.